0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Liz and Matt, Friends, we just passed May the 4th, the uh, relatively recently coined Star Wars Day. It's funny that no one figured out the May the 4th thing until like the mid-2010s, but (laughs) (laughs) at some point, somebody realized it was a thing and it became this, you know, this sort of day for celebrating Star Wars. And Disney Plus celebrated that by debuting a new series as well as two new kind of specials. And We'll talk about the specials at the end of the show, but the story here is The Bad Batch. This is a spin-off from Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And I think I can speak for... I know Matt and I had a long conversation about this once. But I think I can speak for all three of us when I can say that I don't think the Bad Batch as a group were the characters that we were hoping would get <laughs> their own television series. Mm-hmm. Like, they just seemed like... I mean they were fine. That arc of, of Clone Wars season six or season seven, whatever it was, it was it was good enough. It was it was okay. But I'm sort of blown away how much I loved these first two episodes. So Liz, I want to start with you. What did you think of these first two episodes of The Bad Batch?
1: Um, yeah, and I, I'll agree with your sentiments and I, I don't think this was necessarily a show that I was completely looking forward to, like, let's say the Mandalorian. Um, and I, I guess like, overall, I, I think the show did a good job of fleshing out these characters and at least making some of them individuals. And I, I think, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. I think I like where the show started. Um, I think I like where the show picked up. I think that um, was a good choice in my mm. mind um, for sort of maybe continuity of story, um, an interesting place for us to see where things begin um, right after Order Sixty Six. Um, there's some interesting, you know, new characters as well. Um, I, though I, that being said, I don't know if I'm all that excited necessarily for the next few episodes. I'll, I'll definitely watch them um uh I, you know i i think the first two episodes i had a better feeling for the show than i did going into it um but i can't say i'm you know super excited necessarily to, to watch the rest mm-hmm. matt what'd you think
2: yeah I, I i think i'm in that same boat i was much more impressed with it than i thought i was going to be um And it really made me interested in this time frame that I thought we'd already explored to death. Um, But seeing really the firsthand, the actual like turn on a dime shift from the Republic to the Empire is really, really interesting. Um, And watching how different people in and outside of the Empire react to it. But I don't know how much more that we're going to be getting. I'm just, again, I don't think the characters themselves are enough to carry the show. And I don't know if adding in a new child is going to change that. Um, but when you're dealing with already really like good stuff, like, for example, that opening scene, which was heart-wrenching, um, having already seen that scene... It worked really well without the Bad Batch when they told that story in the comics, and it works well now with the Bad Batch. So I don't think it's the Bad Batch that's doing the legwork. I think it's a very interesting time. So I wonder how much it's going to be, like, stakes that I just don't care about um, between characters I don't care about. Um, But, again, I went into this with very low expectations, but was very impressed, so I am approaching it with an open mind. I'll say,
0: okay. Um, so i I was not excited for this at all, really. Um, I mean, I, look, I'm, it's more Star Wars TV, right? So I, I I'm at the point in, in my TV watching year where I just watch baseball all the time. That's all I watch, essentially. <laughs> so um, giving me a half hour a week to watch something other than baseball is is fine. But I felt that there were a couple of things that this that these first couple of episodes did really, really well that I did not expect them to do. The first of those things is I did not expect this to connect in any way to rebels. Mm-hmm. I thought that Rebels was so far down the line that we weren't gonna get any connection there. And then to see the you know, sort of the the making of Canaan at the death of uh, Caleb, where uh, the, the the quote death of Caleb, right? Mm-hmm. I was really impressed that we got that scene. I feel like that is something that nobody had on their like bingo card uh, for, <laughs> no, for what we're gonna no. see in this series. And I think, especially because in the Canaan comic, it happens a little bit differently. So you mm-hmm. know, it, it's I don't think anybody was really expecting that so on one hand I, I appreciated that surprise from the first episode I think what that also does is that gives us a really good sense just from a even if we know the years in our head it gives a really good uh, concrete sense of when the show takes place right like we mm-hmm. know when we meet Kanan and rebels we know that he's been through all of these things leading up to that point and when we meet him yes. here, he is so much younger. So I think it gives an, a sense of the scope of the show where, you know, like whenever there's a book or a comic set in between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, I instantly know nothing important can happen in there because there is mm-hmm. so little time in between there that the galaxy couldn't have changed all that much in that time period, right? But seeing that we have, you know, a decade and a half or so between the Star Wars properties that we've seen, well, that opens up the the show in a lot of ways. And, and I'm not saying that it's yeah. going to run for 15 seasons, nor am I going to say that every season is going to take place over multiple years. But it doesn't it doesn't fit into as narrow of a of a slot as I thought it might. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the, that that scope is a good thing. I also thought that, like all credit needs to go to D. Bradley Baker, who is the voice of all the clones, because <laughs> yeah. he has done a really good job of differentiating the clones that we that we meet. You know there there are the there are the the, the five members of the Bad Batch, and each of them have a very distinct voice. I mean, they mm-hmm. all sound Similar, obviously, you know, but but you definitely can hear, you know, um, Wrecker is much much gruffer. Tech has this sort of high pitched, uh, more nasally voice. You know, you just uh, he does a really really great job in differentiating these characters. And I think that Mm -hmm. for a show that is going to be built around a bunch of clones hanging out together, you have to really differentiate those voices. Yeah. And I think that the writing did that as well, but I think that no matter how good the writing was, if it wasn't executed vocally, it wouldn't have mattered. Mhm. Um, did any of you guys have a uh have sort of a favorite member of the bad batch coming out of these episodes? Oh, 100%. <clears throat> Tech Tech is my is my man. Tech's your guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: He is great. He his constant not filling everyone in because he thought everyone else is on the same page as him (laughs) is a great, you know, plot mover. Um, I really I just think he's funny Um, and seeing his kind of mix of, you know, being the nerd of the group, but also still being a super soldier um, is a cool mix to see. He's not, you know, the Donatello who's B-tier in combat. He can hold his own with the rest of them.
1: So as a nerd, I very much appreciate that. (laughs) Liz, what about you? Um, Well, I I feel like I do like Hunter. I feel like I just have to at this point. Um, I I feel like he's gotten the most screen time as well. And I, I feel like we're meant to connect with him the most. Mm-hmm. because of Omega as well. And I I also like Wrecker just because he is entertaining.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's funny that um, if you... if you sort of take it in the classic Star Wars tropes, Wrecker is basically Chewbacca and Tech <laughs> is basically a combo of C-3PO and R2-D2. Like, <laughs> yeah. There, there's definitely times when R2 knows more th- than he's telling people because, like, you know... um like when I forget which movie it's in, when he knows that the hyperdrive—I think it's an Empire—where he knows the hyperdrive mm-hmm. has been disconnected, you know, like that. That yeah, I, yeah. I got serious R two vibes off of Tech at that point, you know. <laughs> um, so, and uh, you know, I I also think it was interesting to instantly break off one of the members of the Bad Batch. So having mm-hmm. Crosshair be it, you know join up with the Empire, I think that's a really interesting and unexpected move. Um, hmm. I don't know how much more crosshair we're going to get, but I presume we're going to get more from that character. I think he's going to be the big bad of at least this season. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: It, it seems like it. It seems yeah. like to make it more personal. Right,
0: yeah. I but also we'll like... I, one of the things that I appreciate about the animation of Star Wars in general is that oftentimes you're able to give a little bit more depth to characters that got the short shrift in the films either due to time or or due to George Lucas's direction. So like, <laughs> you know, here we get a little bit more. And I, is it Lama Sue, the prime minister of Camino.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I
0: am very, very interested in the politics yes. of Camino. You know, so I, I appreciated that piece of it. Um, and, and one thing we didn't mention that we should is that the, the pilot episode begins with the Clone Wars logo. And begins with the narration from the beginning of the Clone Wars as well, very much acting as a bridge between the two seasons, between the two series Mm -hmm. rather. I like that, yeah. And then the second episode ditches all of that, you know, Mm because now we are firmly into the Bad Batch. But I thought that that's that's a good symbolic uh, distinction of sort of what this this show is. You know, it was, it it does spin directly out of it, uh, out of the Clone Wars, but it is becoming something else. I also have to mention a friend of the show, a former guest, Zach Wilkerson, texted me and said um, that he would basically watch Order sixty six from any possible angle. Like he just, <laughs> he just thinks that that is such an interesting moment in Star Wars history that he's not mad that we saw it a second time. And I agree with that. I, I yeah. think it, I think it's one of the more interesting bits of Star Wars. Well, also, it's great that the
2: two times we re- revisited it in an animated series has been better than the you know triple A film version of it right yes where we saw people we don't care it, okay the, and this is the thing most people have never met the Jedi we encounter in the beginning of the episode Um but that death is so much more meaningful because the way it is shot it is written and has emotion in it than watching you know two dozen Jedi get mowed down in the film itself So,
1: sure is
0: yeah. It ridiculous. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels earned here, and I think you know, I, I I think probably for all of us, we could tell pretty early on what was about to happen, right? It it wasn't a shock that we were going to see Order sixty six again, but once you, once it sort of clicks that this is what's happening, you just feel a real. You feel the weight of it, you know, that's all I can say. You just, you really do feel the weight of it. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: It was also interesting because it, you know, Hunter decided to not just follow orders. He Mm -hmm. decided to try and figure out what was going on instead of just going ahead with things, which I, I think also added to the moment as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I do have to apologize. Last time we spoke about Hunter I did compare him to Gizmo wearing a red bandana, but he has really, really grown on me as a character. So,
0: (laughs) I forgot about the Gizmo comparison. Me too. (laughs) Uh, So, the the first and second episodes also act as a really good reminder of sort of what pieces are on the table right now for Star Wars. So, for instance, we get some Sagarera action here. Which, mm-hmm. not expected. Again, we get some Tarkin. We So we're, we're getting a nice sense of sort of what characters are going to be around. Now, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Palpatine. I don't think we're ever going to see Darth Vader necessarily. But I think we are going to be seeing more of Tarkin. I could mm-hmm. see the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance. I wouldn't be surprised if we got like some... Um, some Bell Organa action eventually yep. in here. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get some, uh, Mon Mothma or mm-hmm. maybe, maybe some of the characters that we eventually see in, uh, rogue one. I wouldn't be surprised some of those characters mm-hmm. show up here, you know? And so, yeah, all that stuff makes this show far more interesting to me. Yes. Especially...
2: And I think what I, what, what I found the most interesting, um, I found it a little bit ham-fisted to have Saw Gerrera literally name the two eras and tell us that this is the pivot point between the Clone Wars and the Galactic Civil War. Um, that wasn't great. But the more subtle idea that the big lie is that the war is over. That right. the Empire wants you to think the war is over. Um, and believing that you know the fighting never ended is what the rebellion is built on. I really like that was a really interesting moment um, in just kind of, again, reflecting how real governments work, how quickly it is it is to move from a military foothold into a totalitarian foothold right. and then convince everybody everything's OK now. Stop worrying. Stop thinking about it and move forward.
0: I mean, it's um, essentially a giant cool, yeah. mission accomplished banner, cool. right? You know, just like you're you're declaring victory before victory has really been had. But if everybody believes it's over, they're gonna act like it's over. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: that that was
0: that was really cool.
2: And like, and the 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 cognitive dissonance that you have to have to be, you know, having hollow projections, saying the war is over to your battalions of troopers (laughs) as you send them. To quash any um, you know local systems that don't agree that the war is over. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> also, Wrecker laughing about how <laughs> messed up the Emperor's face was was a great moment. Because <laughs> yes. again, we had heard like th- those lines said before, and that's what you want to say, and then Wrecker actually saying it is 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 very validating. <laughs>
0: um. What I'm really curious to see now is we have been told and seen in one of the trailers that Fennec Shand, who's the character Ming-Na Wen plays in The Mandalorian, is going to be a part of this series as well. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see how... Because that's the... I mean, she's probably the youngest... She might be, like, a teenager at this point? Mm -hmm. Because you figure... This is probably about... 16 or 17 years before a new hope and then you figure Mandalorian is seven years after Return of the Jedi which is five years after so that's like 12 years so we're talking like almost 30 years after this is when we meet her
2: yeah she she's probably a maybe a little older than Ahsoka is at this point
0: right yeah just kind of you know in, in a similar age period um mm-hmm. age range rather. I mean, that's the thing. We might see Ahsoka in this. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we will. I, I think that this is. I think they're going to try and keep a lot of the stuff that they're going to be doing elsewhere out of this. You know, yeah, because we got we got Rex name dropped already. Yes, we do have Rex name dropped already. That's true. Um, and I think that that will that will probably we are probably going to keep this stuff to the stuff that doesn't have another home right now. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I think that the Clone Wars show eventually brought in a lot of stuff that was sort of Star Wars ephemera, whether it's from the novels, the video games, whatever, is there was no place else to tell those stories. When the Clone Mm -hmm. Wars was running, that was the source of Star Wars stories, essentially. Now, with 400 shows in development, there's no reason to (laughs) squeeze everything into the Bad Batch, right? So... Um, so in the second episode we also get we we visit with Cut who is a character we met uh, in the Clone Wars TV series and um, while it was nice to see Cut I think that the the purpose of this episode was just to establish how quickly the Empire is taking hold places Mm -hmm. because I mean I didn't have any big lingering cut questions that either of you guys (laughs) what
2: i i yeah the big lingering cut question was which one was cut was that the one from the 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 diner was he the one that was like the indentured servant
0: at the diner um no oh no that one died didn't he yes no so this was yeah. um we see cut we i want to say we see his wife even yeah doesn't rex,
1: doesn't rex go visit him
0: yes yeah. i um
1: but then I'm trying to think.
2: Yeah, well, the, the problem is when you when you have the unique story of a clone breaking their programming happened five different times, it becomes less memorable.
0: <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's see. <laughs> I, I am on the ever-useful Wikipedia here, mm-hmm. and um, Cut was in, um, let's see, the Clone Wars episode... Looks like he was in Season 2 and in Season 5 of The oh. Clone Wars. There's a whole episode called The Deserter mm-hmm. that was in Season 2. Let's see. Uh, general Grievous is shot down over planet, Name I'm not going to try and pronounce, and crash lands in the wilderness. Obi-Wan is an exposition to find the droid general. Rex is injured during the search, must recover in a local farmer's barn, but he is shocked to discover the farmer is a clone deserter. Oh, uh, okay, okay um but so you know i there's going to be what, what I'm going to find really interesting and this is a question i wanted to get you guys get get your takes on here so order 66 happens we hear almost instantly that they're not going to be needing new clones so what do we think is going to happen to most of the clones that are currently in the galactic army
1: that, that was a question also i I was thinking of and then also this may be a question i should know the answer to the difference between a clone and then a stormtrooper
0: well i i think it's just i mean i i think it's as simple as, as what tarkin says which is basically that it's so much cheaper to just allow people to sign up to be stormtroopers mm-hmm. and so we're going to move to that and stop producing these clones so yeah my question is, you know, there's there's got to be, I mean, conservatively tens, if not hundreds of thousands of these clone troopers that are that are ostensibly loyal to the to the empire, right? Um, mm-hmm. do you think that they just let them basically get old? Do you think that they yeah. see them as a liability and they take them out?
2: No, I think that my my guess, I think they just keep them and eventually it becomes a mix of clones and recruits up until the point where they don't have clones anymore. I don't know what they're going to do with all those, like, babies and teenage ones. Um, probably just purge them. And I actually don't know what they're going to do with Kamino. I, my guess would be eventually they just wipe the planet out the way they did with Geonosis. Um, but that I don't
1: know either. Because we yeah. Sorry, let's go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you please. Oh, I I'd like to think that they would just let the clones live out to an old age, but something about the Empire makes me think at some point someone like Tarkin would just be like, "No, we just need to get rid of them." Because um, yeah, and then the un unbo- you know the unborn clones, I I don't know. It just seems I don't it, such like such a massive undertaking. Yeah, I mean, and at so- what point will they recognize that they will be a limit? Yeah, I think Tarkin's
2: going to pay for the uh, the upraising <laughs> of the other ones.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: e- exactly. Um, so th- there there's going to be there's going to be a time when obviously the clones are not the majority of the people in the Galactic Forces, and I wonder if there's not going to be a little bit of prejudice against them eventually, and that might lead to them not being as. Uh, you know, I think it's one thing when there's an entire battalion of clones, but you could see just, you know, recruits basically thinking they're better than the clones. Mm-hmm. Because, that, because they're not, you know, um, because they're not, uh, you know, made in the lab or whatever. But, you know, we we really, if you think about it, now granted, the galaxy is a gigantic place. And we have not seen a fraction of it in Star Wars media. But except for Rex, and there's a the couple of clones that Rex recruits in in one of the Rebels episodes. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Lefty I, and Paco and yes, whatever the other yes, ones are. Yeah. exactly, yeah. But except, so we've seen like five old clones. But there has to be hundreds of thousands of old clones, right? <laughs> so it just, it just seems to me like something nefarious is going to happen here to these clones Mm -hmm. and i think you're gonna see folks like cody who was one of the major you know one of the most important clones in the clone wars series i think you're gonna see that guy be a major character here and he'll probably stick around because he is high enough up in the ranks to stick around but i think you're gonna see essentially the mass destruction of these clones
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. now yeah
0: here is you know actually we're gonna take a break And I want you guys to think about this over the break by you guys. I mean, both Matt and Liz and the listeners Um, is Omega really Omega Omega. I, I I keep saying it the way she says it in her New Zealand accent, which is Omega. (laughs) Omega. Yeah. Omega Um, is Omega. uh, Like, does that stretch the definition of clone? Because it's a, it's a different gender. She's aging differently. Like I want to talk about sort of what, omega means in terms of uh clones
1: after we're back from this break so stay tuned hello denizens of earth 1218 we are the hosts of make mine multiversity a twice monthly podcast and it is i jake the taskmaster one and i'm elias the Bendis one. make mine multiversity is your handy guide to all things marvel each month we get into it with long looks at the careers of marvel creators characters themes whatever Sometimes that means we dig into the X-books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series past and present. Coming down by good old Sky Laser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior
0: indeed. So Liz, is, is Omega, like... Does Omega change the way we think about the clones because she is so clearly not like every other clone?
1: Okay. Uh, Yes. Um, And I, I think I do have a lot of questions about Omega in terms of who she is exactly. And obviously all the clones we have met have been made bread for one particular reason and that's fighting and that's not what is going on it appears with omega here and she is obviously female and we haven't met any female clones correct no we haven't okay um and she is a child um and also that one strange event When they were all locked up um, in the first episode in the season Mm -hmm. premiere before um, they took Crosshair out Mm -hmm. and she said to him, you know, you're not responsible for what you're going to do.
2: Yeah, that that that's what I think is the peak into what her enhancement is.
1: Yeah, and then um, after they find out that she's gone, you know, there doesn't seem to be a sense of loss or despair, more of, well, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I feel like, you know, there is a good sense of mystery surrounding who she is or what. Or what she is exactly, compared to the other clones. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question, and you know, I I think that there's something that's that's teased in this episode, which is you know, when we hear about the Bad Batch, you initially think that they're they're failed clones, but something that's said here is no, all the clones are made with purpose, so each of them was enhanced in a different way, not necessarily. as a they weren't like an egg with two yolks right like they were it wasn't it wasn't a naturally occurring phenomenon they were engineered this way so she was absolutely engineered to be this way and Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting and I wonder what I wonder what that says if there's other basically what I'm wondering is how many others like the Bad Batch are there throughout the galaxy hmm yeah I don't I don't know my
2: my wild guess is that omega is the beginning of the project we see in the mandalorian where she is the ability to clone with metachlorian concentration oh which we then see become important to the empire um in the mandalorian and then come to fruition by cloning the emperor himself so that's my guess. I don't know if that's what it is. Maybe it's just cloning cuteness, which is also directly in the Mandalorian's wheelhouse, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but that—that's—that was what my guess was: is her her um, what we would call, I guess, force sensitivity, um, enhanced senses, possible premonition, and or ability to read feelings or minds. Um, so that's what I was thinking it was leaning towards. But it might obviously be. A different direction so
1: hmm. yeah
2: yeah and who is, is she a clone of Django?
0: well that, that that's sort of my question here right like yeah. how, much, how much of because she looks pet- like
2: somebody else we know from the mandalorian race
0: but that's an even wilder theory so well it, it's funny you say that you know who i <clears> think <throat> <throat> this is going to become a running theme on this show uh uh-huh. kind of reminds me of Gwendolyn Christie. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, the accent is all wrong, but like, you know,
2: we'll get to the bottom of this
0: phasma mystery, yeah, too, uh, <laughs> Because it's Star Wars; everyone is someone, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that, w- that was my first thought. Like. <laughs> you know, oh, there's Captain Phasma again. But...
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, but what if Captain Phasma is the perfected version of Omega?
1: Hmm.
0: See? Who knows? I mean, who knows? So anyway, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I think all of us can say first two episodes exceeded our expectations. I think it's also safe to say we really don't know what this show is just yet. hmm You know, hmm. especially because the first episode – was very much its own thing and i don't think that we're going to necessarily see other episodes that are that connected to other like that was yeah. very much a pilot right and it was very much a bridge but there's still 14 more episodes in this season and so my final bad batch question for you guys just what do you what do you want to see what do you hope we're going to get more of in the next 14 episodes
1: 14 episodes. Wow, that's a lot of
0: episodes. It's it's a 16-episode season, yeah.
1: Wow. I I did not expect (laughs) the first episode to be an hour either. No,
0: that's a a, a little movie. If you take that (laughs) and you tack that onto the last four episodes of The Clone Wars, that's like one very long movie that sort of wraps up the prequel Mm -hmm. era.
2: The bad badge gets more screen time than WandaVision and Falcon (laughs) mixed together. (laughs) Right, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know. Oh, so what? What what do I want to see? What do I want to see? Right now, I'm intrigued by Omega. Um, I feel like that's sort of the biggest um sort of thing they have dangling uh, Mm -hmm. in front of me right now for the rest of the season. Um. I'm interested just to see how the different um, Bad Batch characters um, develop over time, too. Um, how they interact with one another. Um, if Crosshair becomes, you know, the big bad guy. And uh, see what kind of guest stars we get, too. Who gets tossed into the mix. But really, I think Omega is the biggest question mark here for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I wonder what's
2: gonna happen with Omega. I mean, there's only so much her being amazed by separate biomes than we can really. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe she should watch that thing on Disney Plus. Brian. Which we'll that talk about cool. in a minute. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would expose her to the, all these things. Um, but like the yeah, the Little Mermaid
0: effect wears off quick. <laughs> um, but we, to be fair, we don't know how many Thingamabobs <laughs> she has yet. So that's,
2: that's true. That's true. I mean. Their <laughs> their ship is just filled with garbage. That, that um, is true. Yes.
1: <laughs> so. uh, I, oh, you know
2: what? A, a separate point I would like to a, like applaud the bravery of the show is that I a hundred percent thought we were going to get that annoying medical droid as the you know necessary mm. annoying cute droid of the series. And they just murdered him. <laughs> 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 they straight up killed that guy. And I was like, whoa, okay. So you really want to differentiate yourself from the bat. Um, but I, I want to see what happens to the Crosshair. I'm interested if he becomes the big bad. I want to see. I'm assuming nothing will happen um, with Caleb. We've, he's gone in the wind now. That was just a connecting piece. Um, but it would be interesting to see what, like, where do the Bad Batch fit into this? Are they going to be rebel fighters? Are they going to try and, you know, find others that resisted Order 66? Are they just going to try and hide out? Um, There's so many directions it can go in, it's actually pretty exciting. Um, For a a series that usually you can predict the beats really, really well with, it's nice to have something kind of open-ended.
0: Yeah, I also wonder, and this is sort of, this, this will determine what I want to see. If this is being planned as a one-season show, it changes what I want to see versus if this is going to be a multiple-season show. If this is going to continue on for a couple of years, then I really want it to be a travelogue through the era that we haven't seen a lot of yet. I mm-hmm. want us to be able to say every... Season. What's Sagarera doing now this season? What's mm-hmm. going on on Alderaan right now? Are the Huts still in power over on Tatooine, or has there been? A, I I think if it's going <laughs> to span multiple eras, most multiple seasons, then you can use this as a like a as a travelogue through the Star Wars galaxy, right? And not I, not I, as I its guess. purpose. What's up? Sorry, Matt. I did.
2: I just. Uh, realize that that brings like what is Boba fed up to right now in his angsty mid-teens now <laughs> Yes, <laughs> not, not, not your idea of the travelogue but that just realizing that we are 100% going to see his
0: whiny ass at some point in this series yes we 100% are you're right about that um, but you know <laughs> but, but we can stop in on Mandalore like you know if it's going to last mm-hmm. for a long time Then we get a lot of cool things here. If it's just a one-season show, and I wouldn't be upset if it's just a one-season show either. I think that some of this stuff isn't meant to last forever, right? Um, If it's just a one-season show, then I guess what I really want to see is I want to see how they are going to handle the sort of big-picture... Transition from the Republic to the Senate because don't forget it's Mm. not until A New Hope when the Senate is is disbanded, like we hear in A New Hope, like they voted to disband it, it's totally gone. So it takes almost two decades to really rip all of the guts out of the Republic, Um, although the power is less there. So I'm really interested in seeing that. Kind of like how it's interesting to see. In the Mandalorian, the sort of the last vestiges of the Empire holding on. We're kind of seeing the last vestiges of the Republic holding on here, and I like that sort of stuff. So I'm interested to see how that how that shakes out. Um, the last note I have is maybe one of the most important notes actually on this show, which is just that this show looks amazing. Like, Disney has really invested in the animation here. If you watch the first couple seasons of The Clone Wars, and then you watch Rebels, the animation is not bad, but it's not to the level we saw in The Clone Wars Season 7 and then again here. This animation Mm -hmm. looks fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. really, really great. And kudos to Disney for not scrimping on the animation here. Um, Yeah. Any other lingering Bad Batch thoughts before we move on to a couple other things before we close up? Mm-mm. Liz, no. anything else? You're good? No,
1: nothing else. I'm good.
0: Okay, so on May the 4th, Disney Plus launched a couple other things. I'm going to save the uh, the Simpsons bit for the end here. But th- <laughs> uh, there were two... I don't know if you call them series. There's there's, this, there's a special called Star Wars Biomes. and it's I think it's like 16 or 18 minutes long. Let me look just to get this uh, uh, section here. okay. So it's 18 minutes long. And the description says, take a virtual vacation to some of the Star Wars film's most iconic and beloved locations, like Hoth, Tatooine, and Sorgan, as this charming series whisks you off for a fly-through tours of the galaxy far, far away. Now, when I read that, I thought this is going to be a look at the actual locations where these things were filmed. Like, for instance, my friend Chris went to the location that was filmed that was used for Hoth. There's like a tourist mm-hmm. industry around Hoth now. Um, so I thought we're gonna see Tunisia, we're gonna see the Scottish Isle where Aktu was, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna see these locations. And we kind of do. But they've made them all into the Star Wars locations. So, for instance, while on Hoth, you see some AT-ATs walking around. Um, when on Tatooine, there's a speeder that goes by, and a and, a, uh, and one of the um, like the Tusken Raider transports goes by, and so you're not really watching the places it was filmed, you're just kind of getting like an overhead view of fake places. And that goes even further when we see places like Crete, which is not, there's not a real place where the, where when you get rid of the salt, there's red dirt, right? Like that's not no place on earth was that actually, <laughs> That's not a naturally occurring place where they filmed it. Or even more ridiculously, Mustafar, which is a volcanic planet <laughs> with Vader's <laughs> castle on it. So, like, I don't understand what the point of this is. Is it just to be like, oh wow, look, that looks really nice. That's an HD, cool. Because I-, I got nothing else. I really don't understand it. I could, I could see the appeal if this is the real life locations that we use to make Star Wars. I get that.
2: Are you like I, supposed to play it on loop or something? Like, no, there's, you,
0: there's like a little bit of instrumental music in the background, and it's it's all drone shots. So you're all like, you know, you're you're okay. You're probably three or four hundred feet in the air, maybe a little bit more, you know, overlooking all of this. And like one of the one of the spots, oh. one of the spots like Sorgam, it's mentioned here. That is the village where the Mandalorian goes, where he meets the now canceled Cara Dune and that he mm-hmm. meets that 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 single mom that he's like flirting with the whole time like that village mm-hmm. you see for a few minutes but mm-hmm. like nothing happens there's no plot of it you know mm-hmm. um you just see like on crate you see a little bit of action so that the sand can be so that the salt can be kicked up and you can see the red underneath it mm-hmm. you know but that's like or, or or you see the millennium falcon taking off from octu so you know that's like that that's when Ray leaves Luke at the end of the last Jedi right but there's mm-hmm. no like I just I, I really don't understand what it is I don't know it it, it it in my head sounds
2: like um like like the virtual fireplace you put on he just
0: well it kind of it just felt is like a that. thing yes uh Liz or Matt have either of you ever been to Epcot Center in the last ten mm-hmm. years
1: I have yes have you ever done no. the Soren ride, Liz? Yeah. Uh, ooh, have I? Which one is that?
0: Soren is when you're sitting in like uh, a chair and it feels like you're flying over America. Uh,
2: yeah. Soaring over the world or soaring over California if yes. you're in the land.
1: Yeah. Yes. No, because of my motion sickness. Okay.
0: It kind of feels like that.
2: Did did they make them for it and then just were like ah fuck it, we're not gonna make this ride
0: just watch it I on mean, your TV I kind of think yes although it's not fast <laughs> enough like like all those soaring rides start out where, like you're you know it's a nice peaceful thing and then all of a sudden you dive bomb down and like you know there there was none of that it, it's all like a very just tranquil version but I really felt like it was it was that that was something created for Galaxy's Edge and not used. Um, (laughs) So, very similar to that is the Star Wars vehicle fly-through episodes, which there are two episodes out so far. One is the Millennium Falcon, one is a Star Destroyer, uh, a First Order Star Destroyer. And this is essentially drone shots of inside and outside of these two ships. And what bugged me about this, and I'm sorry to be, like, the negative Nelly here about about these uh, new shows, but the Millennium Falcon 1 is four minutes long. And I feel like I would have rather had 20 minutes of going through the Falcon. Because when you think about it, that's a big ship, and we see, like, a a fraction of it. We see Mm. the cockpit, and we see the area where they play chess, and we see a couple other little places – and that's basically all we see in the four minute fly through. I wish and again, this is all done with, with CGI or whatever, or or you build a set, but like why couldn't they just show us the entirety of the Millennium Falcon? Why couldn't they give us that stuff? If a lot yeah. of it is engine, just take a quick fly through the engine room. If a lot of it is storage, <laughs> fly through the storage areas. There's just I feel like they just showed us the stuff we've already seen. And it's with the star destroyer. A star destroyer is basically a mobile city, and it's five minutes of the area. It's the bridge, and a couple other areas we've already seen. <laughs> I just don't understand what the point of this is. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, maybe this is all Galaxy's Edge stuff that was then abandoned. Um, and then Matt, you watched the Star the uh, Star Wars Simpsons short, right? Uh, yes. It's, like, two minutes long, three minutes long, whatever it is. It's basically Mm – it's a little Maggie tale. It has a bunch of Star Wars jokes in it. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, for – we do a lot of
2: praise for Star Wars um, spoofs of things. This one was
0: okay. Mm, Yeah. It's fine. I mean, what's weird about it is that (laughs) – for, for any uh, of my real Simpsons heads out there, you're going to be speak my language here in a second. Um, So this basically takes the subplot of a streetcar named Marge where Maggie goes to daycare and they take away her pacifier. It just mm. updates that story but puts a bunch of Star Wars characters in it too.
1: Mm. That's it. All right.
0: So it, it just seems to me like it's not the most creative – uh, endeavor from anyone involved, but no, no.
2: Well, it, you know, it, it seems like exactly what it is, is that a corporation created a holiday and then fucking forgets it has this holiday every year and, and then throws something together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you made it.
0: <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Um. But yeah. It, look. If May the 4th gets a couple of people excited about Star Wars, yeah, you know, that's fine. In Amelia's class, my daughter's class that that day, the teacher used the Star Wars name generator to uh, give everyone in the, stu- in the class their own Star Wars name. So she was Whoa. Boba Stormtrooper. That was her name for the day. And like, you know, Aww. that's fun. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Some third graders learned who Boba Fett was. I'm sorry for that, yeah. but you know, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's a fun enough thing, so you know, whatever, man. But anyway, yeah. I am excited to check back in. I guess what we'll probably do is maybe since it's gonna be on for the next three months, um, maybe we'll do like a mid-season check-in on The Bad Batch. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that that extensive.
1: Yeah, me either.
0: Well, I I think it's probably that for two reasons. Number one, even though animation is expensive to produce, it's not like once you're up and running, the costs don't multiply the way they do for live action stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't have to like I'm sure that all the voice actors are on a season-length contract. So whether that means eight episodes or sixteen, or even if they're being paid per episode, like the the, the voice actors' demands are not Anthony Mackie's demands, right? So, <laughs> you know, or or Elizabeth Olsen's demands, so you don't have to worry about the budget for it. Um, and also, I wonder if it was meant to be shorter, but with the pandemic, they thought we need to generate more content for Disney Plus while everything has shut down. Here's something we can do, basically, from everyone's homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it'll be. I mean, you're working with one voice actor for ninety percent of the. <laughs> that is also series, true. So. yeah, I hope. <laughs> I hope that he is making bank. I hope mm-hmm. that um, that uh, D. Bradley Baker has has bought like a, a gigantic house for his family because mm-hmm. of his money because he's great and he can do it. And why not? Um, yep. So, so yeah, we'll check in with with the show maybe at, at the you know, seven or eight episode mark, and we'll see where everything stands. But uh, until then, you know, we'll be back in two weeks with something else. Not really sure what yet, but we'll get there. And uh, until next time, remember, the Force will be with you always.